Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish T-R-I. C-H-E on the Twitter machine. Gentlemen, uh, interesting week four. I hated it uh, personally. And I tell you what, I will not miss this Texas Tech rivalry because every time we play in Lubbock, and we won there uh, a bunch of years in a row, but uh, not this year, but it's their Super Bowl. It, you know, the stupid tortillas are flying around everywhere. Uh, they love to do the horns down. It's their Super Bowl every year. They're, they play tough. They, they always play Texas tough, and I got a lot of respect for Texas Tech. But like I said, I will not miss that uh, rivalry at all. Now, you know, I'm getting beat by 50 points, uh, you know, to Auburn. Maybe I'll miss it then. Uh, maybe I'll be like, hey, I missed those close games. But that was terrible. But I tell you what, my day was made up when Kansas State went into Oklahoma and beat Oklahoma. So uh, it turned out to be an okay Saturday uh, I was five and five on my bets, so a down week for me from what I've been doing. But also, you know, um, uh, Miami lost to Middle Tennessee, which was disgusting. Tennessee, Oregon, USC, and Clemson all barely survived. We did lose uh, one of Nick's favorite coaches is uh, no longer with his team, Jeff Collins, gone from Georgia Tech. Uh, Boise State fired their offensive coordinator, Tim Plow. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer is entering the transfer portal. Dirk Cutter is taking over at OC for the Broncos. So, Nick, lots and lots of stuff going on in college football. We're doing this a little bit earlier than we normally do because I got some stuff I have to take care of. It is my fault. But, uh, Nick, how was your uh, week four, and what what is the first thing that you want to take away from week four? There's a lot here. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, there, I didn't thinking back on it and I do, I'm pretty quick to turn the page from last week to this week. I, I forget sure. what happened basically by Monday morning. Um, <laughs> and so going back and, and trying to remind myself, I, I, I was thinking like, well, you know, there really wasn't that much that was surprising. I had forgotten about Oklahoma losing. Like that's a pretty big upset. <laughs> Not me. I remembered. I obviously remembered the, the Miami middle Tennessee. That was sort of the, the crazy Ooh. result, uh, not just that they lost, but it just, it wasn't close. They got I mean, it beat. was, yes. They didn't um, lose. They got beat down. Right. In that game. And there were some close calls, obviously. Uh, but yeah, on, on Monday, I mean, I'm in today, like you mentioned, we're, we're going a little early. So uh, moved the schedule up to try to make sure that the projections are, are fully ready to go. So uh, one you know, have to catch up on injuries. That's a big Monday project for me. Um, and that impacts, you know, especially when we get some uh, unfortunate news that some guys are going to be out for a while, like Aeneas Smith at Texas A&M suffered a season-ending injury. Um, that was a big one. We got news late on Saturday that Aiden O'Connell wasn't going to play for Purdue, and it looks like that uh, he may or may not be uh, back next week. Um, there's still a little question on some other quarterbacks that got banged up. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa got, uh, you know, missed some time last week. Rocky Lombardi at Northern Illinois wasn't able to play. Uh, Frank Harris against an FCS opponent uh, had a little bit of a knee thing. Sounds like he's probably going to be all right, but 
Um, yeah, you know, trying to sift through any of the news that I missed from Saturday, get some updates on players that, um, you know, we do expect back. Uh, one important one, you know, Bowling Green missed Matt McDonald on Saturday, uh, but it sounds like he's going to be back for the big matchup with Akron this week. So, uh, but anyway, so, you know, injuries are sort of the big takeaway, things that are mostly top of mind for me now that all the team performance stuff is updated, all the uh, projections, you know, are ready to go. Oh, didn't mention uh, Jake Hayner. Sounds like he's going to be out. Uh, probably won't matter against UConn, but, uh, you know, he was carted off two weeks ago. Fresno State was uh, off last week, but it, it is official that he won't play this next game and could possibly, you know, miss some time uh, moving forward. So you mentioned the Boise State news and with the Jake Hayner injury situation. Um, the Mountain West is is really, really wide open. That was one thing that, you know, occurred to me a little bit today is uh, there is much more, um, you know, there's no clear pecking order there, which is, is kind of interesting. And in some ways, the Big Ten outside of Ohio State and Michigan is kind of shaping up the same way. It seemed like every game I wanted to talk about on this upcoming slate was a, a Big Ten game. And part of that is um, – We've just we've got some movement. We've got some uh, question marks and a lot of teams that are sort of you know jockeying for position there for the third or fourth or fifth or sixth uh, spot in the conference standings. You know, similar to Mountain West. Yeah, it's a very interesting week. Uh, obviously, it ain't gonna be Colorado State in the Mountain West, but everybody else uh, has got a shot there. But Xavier, when you look at Week Four. Do you want to just take week four and put it the whole thing in fraud watch? Because it just seemed like such a weird week, uh, but there were, there were a lot of upsets, but in look, the only thing saving Texas from being the most embarrassing game of the week was Oklahoma was ranked six when they went down, I believe six or eight, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, I mean, Miami just getting beat down by middle Tennessee, like Nick mentioned, uh, just absurd. But what else from week four did you see and, and want to talk about here? I just thought it was, a, I mean, outside of it being just fraud watch, I thought it was just a struggle week for everybody. Um, outside of really Alabama and, uh, and um, Ohio State, it just looked like everybody struggled to, 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 you know, be who we thought they were, right? Georgia struggled with Kent State. Kentucky was in an absolute battle with Northern Illinois. Um, you know, obviously you, you hit on Miami. Uh, Clemson and Wake Forest went down to the absolute wire. Uh, there were a couple more overtime games. Uh, Oregon and, and Washington State had what people would think was a packed yeah. you know, game of the week. Oregon State and USC went down to the absolute wire. Just there were very few games. Once again, you know, we, we always say this with college football. How can it one up itself? And again, another week. It always does. It, 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 you know, it did it again. You know, a bunch of games went down to the absolute wire. Even, you know, the, the, the Michigan game was a great one for, you know, three and a half quarters. So, you know, I, I, you look at last week, I just, I keep looking for every week. Can I find an answer to come to the podcast with it? And I'm just like, no, like this week again, I feel like I have to throw out everything that I saw and believe nothing of what I saw, like whatsoever. And, and I don't know. And the only thing I could pull from it was, okay, CJ Stroud looks as good as advertised. Um, and that was it. Like that's genuinely the only thing. Even I the Georgia with. defense didn't look great. No, Kent State scored some points on him. Right. And so, so like, I genuinely feel like I could pull very little away from this week. Um, and I'm just throwing it out. As not something I'm even gonna look back on. I mean, I tell you what, um, you know, Vandy looks right where they should be against uh Alabama. We'll we'll say that some things don't change, but uh most things do, and it was a very uh up and down week. And look, oh well, we expect 
real quick, real quick. Yes. I, I have to add this in here because because Nick scoffed at me when I said this two weeks ago. Uh, I, I I told him Adrian Martinez looked better, <laughs> and I got yeah. uh, and I got a scoff from Nick uh, from his statistical output. I think I can go ahead and just say that relay that message one more time. Adrian Martinez looks better at Kansas State. Uh, Five and, touchdowns to do it. Four on the ground. 148 rushing yards against Oklahoma too. Um, after now, I have to speak up for myself here. Yes, please uh, go ahead and throw Scott under the bus. It was not oh, I who scoffed. Yeah. It was most. I was. Scott. I was hoping you weren't going to remember that. <laughs> that. That was me. Uh, it was de- de- definitely me uh, because I have rostered Adrian Martinez uh, for years on the CFF, uh, the CFP Winning Edge Dynasty League, and I can't start him anymore. And now I can uh, out of nowhere. So uh, lost this week, of course, in that one too. But um, you know, look, I'm ready to crumple up week four. You know. Not only Texas losing, but Bijan fumbling at the end. Just it hurts, you know. So that was it was a really difficult one. Uh really difficult one for me. But um uh it, because I mean like that is a you're not winning the Heisman now. You know, you go and you score the touchdown, maybe you're in the Heisman conversation. If Texas wins out, you're not now. You know, uh you get in an overtime situation, you fumble, he's not gonna be there. So uh depressing to me for sure, but let's move forward you know i'm like mark mcguire i'm not here to talk about the past I'm here to talk about the future and let's start on friday night where we've got washington on the road against ucla uh the live line right now is three and a half um we've got ucla uh favored in this game the line is washington by three and a half so nick tell me about why the bruins are uh favored for us in this game on friday night yeah, this is this is a weird one. This is probably our weirdest projection, and these are still very very fresh. So I I uh, haven't had much time to uh, no adjustments dive into my own thoughts on them. So this is uh, kind of you know thinking out loud here uh, with them with them being very new. But we only have one projection where our uh, our favorite is different than what the current odds makers have. Uh, and it's this one. And, you know, I mentioned in the preseason because it seemed like every update I did to our power ratings, uh, UCLA was just annoyingly high. Um, they're just a team <laughs> that, uh, you know, always seems to put up pretty good roster strength numbers. Um, they've got some really highly rated players in some key spots. Dorian Thompson Robinson has been a max rated player for a couple of years now. I mean, he's a five-year starter. So, uh, you know, it, it just he he was able to max his uh, production out uh, on top of being a, what, five-star recruit, a very, very high four-star uh, coming out of high school. So um, that's carried a lot of weight. And then even though the depth has taken a little bit of a hit over the years, um, UCLA's got pretty decent frontline starters and they've sprinkled in some uh high impact transfers zach charbonnet being you know key among them at running back another 100 rated player uh this year the defense is very uh transfer heavy and it's uh, paying off i mean we've seen some big plays already from guys like uh liatu latu i believe is the uh leader in sacks nationally five sacks so far this year a guy who hadn't played a snap in a couple of years um, but he's coming in having a big impact. Uh, the Murphy twins, I know, have, have made some plays as well. Uh, transfers from North Texas, got a couple of starters. Um, it seems like at every level of the defense for UCLA. Uh, and they've played, 
you know, decently well so far. Um, they're eighth in our power rankings. They're eighth in overall team performance, sixth on offense, 23rd on defense. And they had the scare against South Alabama. Um, but even in that game, as, as close as it was, and they needed a field goal to win uh, at the buzzer, they were 83% in uh, CFB data's post-game win expectancy. Um, they've been 100% in three you know, cupcake games against uh, Bowling Green, Alabama State, and Colorado. So UCLA hasn't been tested, and they're a team that is a little bit difficult to trust because they're one of those, you know, our projections have been a little too high on three of the last four years. Um, and probably, you know, a lot of other folks are, are kind of feel that they come in a little bit overrated. They're not ranked in the AP top 25, so they're not getting, uh, you know, a whole lot of respect nationally. And on the other hand, Washington is kind of one of those really buzzy teams. I mean, I, I jokingly, before the show, uh, and I'm probably not the only one, but called Kansas, you know, America's team. Yeah. Uh, Washington is pretty close. I mean, a lot of people Michael are Penix excited. Amazing right Michael now. Michael Penix and and credit to Xavier. I mean, he was yeah. immediate uh, when the news came that, that Penix was going to transfer there, talking about how big of a difference maker he thought he would be. I was a little skeptical. You know, I'd, I'd seen Michael Penix play really, really well, but it had been a couple of years and he'd had you know, multiple season ending injuries. Hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy, but yeah, he looks absolutely great. Um, Washington looks like a completely different team. Um, and, you know, they're, they're playing well and they have been a little more tested started off with Kent state who we just mentioned, you know, gave Georgia a little bit of uh, trouble um, Michigan state who at the time was ranked 11th. Now maybe that win isn't quite as impressive after how Michigan, you know, just how horrific Michigan State looked last week against Minnesota, um, but Washington has played Stanford, you know, so they're they're tested and they've uh, passed every test. Um, that Michigan State game, they had a seventy five percent post game win expectancy. The other three have been a hundred percent, and so it's understandable that Washington would be favored, even though it is on the road. You know, the Rose Bowl, not uh, not a, a raucous environment. Friday night, there might be more people on the field than there are on the stands. So, <laughs> you know, should should UCLA get the full two and a half points? Maybe not. Um, but even then, you know, our projection, we have UCLA as the higher ranked team. Like I said, they're eighth. Washington is 18th. Um, so we, we like Washington. The numbers like Washington. Uh, our prism projections, which are um, – quickly becoming had it had a great great week against the spread last week um but they're they're quickly becoming even though you know got off to a little bit of a slow start becoming my favorite set of projections a lot of work went into it the offseason non-conference games struggled a little bit but i feel like it's really starting to hit its stride uh even that has ucla favored hasn't favored by two and a half so um i i don't fully trust ucla yet myself uh, nevertheless, this feels like a spot where, you know, potentially Washington is just getting a little too much credit too soon. And UCLA has got some really, really good players uh, who are going to be tough to beat. I understand Washington being favored. Uh, I would not be at all shocked if Washington wins this game. I'm not 
saying that UCLA, you know, should win the game. Uh, but I think they match up a little bit better than maybe some people are, are giving credit for. So uh, our final score projection is 35-28. Um, on the surface, that seems uh, – I mean, that that's technically on the under. Um, I was thinking that actually seemed a little high. But, you know, maybe something in that ballpark is, is about right. Uh, not – you know, maybe though – I would understand if you'd think Washington would win by that score. So uh, yeah. I don't have a huge, even though our, our projection, this is actually one of our biggest, you know, quote unquote edges. And it is the only one where we think the wrong team is favored. I don't necessarily have a ton of confidence in that. Um, but I do think this is one of the more intriguing games of the week uh, in part because, you know, we'll learn a little bit about UCLA. This will be their first big test and uh, our numbers being so high on them. This is this is a big test, you know, as far as that goes as well. Xavier, Washington comes in ranked number 15. So I think most people see number 15 versus an unranked team and they think, right. how could you say UCLA? But UCLA is at home. They're a solid Pac-12 team. A lot of good recruits, like Nick said, a lot of good transfers in on defense as well. Right. Um, they've been a little hit or miss. You know, I believe, you know. Putting Chip Kelly on fraud watch at any point would not be surprising to me ever, Xavier. So <laughs> how do you see this game playing out? Because Penix, I mean, you know, Penix is getting Heisman buzz. He's getting first round draft buzz right now. Like he is playing his uh, butt off. He looks amazing. And uh, UW has been putting together uh, some nice dubs here. So um, what do you think about this Washington uh, UCLA Pac-12 matchup on a Friday? Yeah, I do think that when when I look at this game, obviously I'm, I'm going to pick Washington to win. I think they're the better ball club, so I'm going to start off with that. I think that Michael Penix and Co. are doing what they need to do offensively uh, to to keep to win ball games. I, and the one thing I will say about Washington, and the one concern I have about them coming into this game, is the fact that their secondary has not been lights out. Let's say that much. Um, I thought Tanner McKee kind of got what he wanted. Uh, when he when he had time to throw, uh, you know, 17 to 26, 286, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, same thing kind of happened in the second half of the Michigan State game. Peyton Thorne kind of got whatever he wanted to in that second half. Uh, yes, they, they were lights out in the run game, but they haven't put together a full defensive performance against somebody that I would consider competition just yet. Um, you know, even against Kent State, you gave up 20 points. Um, and we saw what kind of offense Kent State had this year, uh, this week against Georgia. But once again, you, you realize that their, their defense has not put together the quote unquote, you know, perfect, complete game just yet. And you're kind of waiting for that to happen at this point. And I think that right now you you need to, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical on Washington, maybe winning the Pac-12 until I see that performance put together. Um, offensively, they're extremely explosive. And that's my only concern is that if their offense, for whatever reason this week against UCLA bogs down, does their defense have enough in the tank to slow down UCLA with a dynamic quarterback who has been shown to put up points quickly, um, you know, with Dorian Thompson Robinson, that's, that, that's a team that can go and can, and can, you know, can run with the horses. And I think this game is going to be a shootout, um, an old fashioned quote unquote PAC 12 shootout, you know, that we, you know, that we kind of grew up on quote unquote. Um, and, and I think that, you know, this is a game that could very well in 45, 42. I would not be surprised. <laughs> um, not, not at all. Like I, I just don't trust either one's defense, especially their secondaries. Um, South Alabama kind of got what they wanted against UCLA, especially in the secondary as well. Um, you know, they, they also ran, you know, South Alabama also ran for 124 yards. So 
UCLA's defense is obviously not one to to be excited about it either. But at some point, somebody's gonna get got to get a stop, right? Like we 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 somebody's got to stop somebody. Um, and I think we could get a, a very reminiscent game of what we had this week uh, with Wake Forest and Clemson, where just both offenses are clicking, you know, for the entirety of the ball game. And you know, you hope to possibly get a field goal instead of a touchdown, um, you know, every drive. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pac-12. We can see 17-14 for USC, Oregon, and then see this one be 55-50. I would not be surprised uh, not how any of this goes. Uh, but let's go over um, to the ACC. Let's talk Clemson, number five at home. against number 10, NC State. The line here is Clemson by six and a half. We see Clemson by a little bit more than that, Nick. The total is 42 and a half. We got an over on that, which is rare for us, I feel like, uh, to have overs. But, um, I mean, this looks like such a close game. Clemson played a tough one against Wake Forest last week. That was a big emotional game. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? Because uh, Clemson just doesn't, I don't know, they, they, don't, they don't strike fear in me like they used to. So I think they could be got. They almost got got by Wake last week. Home game is different, though. It's different in Death Valley. So... How do you see this game playing out? It's a it's a little bit of a tricky one because you know last week I I was really happy that we were on Clemson uh, against Wake Forest and you know first first quarter early first quarter uh, felt really good about it and for the most part you know DJ Uyunglele played uh, pretty well um, Clemson overall has been solid not spectacular they're twelfth in team performance. Uh, 17th on offense, which is a big step up from where they were last year, 76 nationally in, in overall, uh, or excuse me, in offensive team performance. Um, passing wise, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well. They're actually top 30 in both sides, uh, rushing and passing, 26th on offense, or excuse me, uh, 26 passing offense, 30th rushing offense. And then the defense has uh, the secondary, similar to what Xavier was mentioning about. Uh, Washington. Similar spot. I mean, it's really, really difficult to uh, run on Clemson. They're fourth in rushing defensive team performance, uh, but you can throw. And part of that is injuries. They were missing, what, three, four guys uh, in the secondary due to injury last week. Uh, Andrew Makuba being the biggest name. He was go- uh, he was out. Sheridan Jones um, was out. Uh, both of those guys are starters. Nate Wiggins and Malcolm Green have both uh, been dealing with some injuries as well. Green missed uh, the last game. So um, the on the back end, you know, they're playing a lot of young guys. They're playing, um, they're, they're relatively thin. And so against Wake Forest, they were exposed a little bit. Will NC State be able to do that? You know, certainly we know that uh, NC State should get good quarterback play. Um, Devin Leary is, you know, one of the higher rated quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Thayer Thomas has been a playmaker uh, throughout his career and, and is off to a good start this year. Um, but Wake Forest has, you know, three or four, uh, six, four, 200 pound, you know, matchup nightmare type guys and NC state. I mean, yeah, they've got some size and, and, you know, Devin Carter's six, three, uh, over 200 pounds, but, uh, Thomas is not, you know, super physically imposing, and and I'm just not sure that NC State 
has the playmakers to um, just completely take care or, you know, take advantage of a, uh, of an undermanned Clemson, you know, secondary. And, and I'm not sure also that NC state really has the, you know, will have the ability to run the football right now. They're 71st in rushing offensive team performance and not necessarily playing a, a murderer's row of opposing defenses thus far. I mean, East Carolina, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, and UConn last week. Um, NC State hasn't really been you know, tested quite yet. They have uh, been a top 20 type team. They're, they're certainly undefeated, and, and I do think that they are capable of playing with Clemson and, and maybe even winning. Um, but kind of kind of like last week and it didn't really work out uh but i i'm i'm glad that we're on clemson again as a favorite i do think that this clemson team even though they don't you know as you said kind of strike fear in the same way uh as they did you know prior to last season this is a team that you know, our projections and then a lot of others as well see as a clear top 10 team a top five team in our case and I think that's about right. I mean, they're not in that elite tier with Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Um, but they're in the mix, and I think they're still the team to beat in the ACC. And they get this game at home. You know, they were able to, to find a way to win on the road at Wake Forest. You know, tough matchup, quality opponent. Um, they've been tested in that way that NC State hasn't. They get to host this game, and and uh, you know I'm I'm kind of happy that we're on Clemson to win and to cover. Our projection is uh, 31-23. You know that seems about right. That NC State defense is very very good, including uh, the best linebacker core in the country according to our uh, unit ratings. Three max rated starting linebackers, um, and they've got some good players. You know across that defense as well. It's a uh, the number three unit in defensive roster strength. So it certainly will be strength versus strength, or excuse me, strength versus uh, potential weakness. I mean, Clemson's offense being the question mark. Um, but again, I, I think that I, you know, am happy that we're on Clemson and, and uh, I feel like they've made some progress on that side of the ball. So um, it'll certainly be a test, but uh, it's one that I, I think that Clemson is, capable of, of passing and, and winning this by a touchdown or more, um, I think is, you know, the expectation. And certainly it might not happen. Could be another overtime type game, last second field goal situation. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, Clemson is rightly favored by uh, right around a touchdown. Xavier, what do you think? Uh, because this is um... – you know, when Nick said that NC State hasn't really been tested, he was not kidding. I mean, East Carolina week one and Texas Tech are their two hardest games, like Charleston Southern and uh, UConn were their other two games. So Actually, um, I, I probably said the wrong word uh, because East Carolina did test them. Well, they it definitely was, did test them. It just yeah. wasn't, you know, the Power 5 opponent, the conference game, all that. I mean, East Carolina gave them everything they, gave they a wanted scare. more. Yeah. Gave them a real scare, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that game was fun. Uh, week one, but uh, uh, wow, what a catch by CD Lamb! Good lord, uh, we're doing this during Monday Night Football, but uh, you know, that was that was awesome. Uh, but Xavier, what do you think of this game? Because you know, uh, I mean, Clemson, 
you know, like I said, probably not as scary as they were. Still definitely a top 10 team. And I don't think that's a question. You can absolutely question NC State as a top 10 team right now uh, with, uh, you know, close wins by Texas Tech uh, against Texas Tech and ECU. It's not like they're out here dominating. So what do you think about this game? Is this Clemson in a walk? Is this going to be a close one? Are both these teams on fraud watch? What do you think here, Xavier? Oh, both teams are clearly on fraud watch. Nah, um, yeah, who's no, not no. on fraud watch? They're all on fraud watch. Listen, I, I just think <laughs> NC State's got to be. Uh, if I'm picking anybody in the top 25 right now, that's been the most fraudulent. It's NC State. They are a team that could have easily lost to East Carolina Week One if it was for special teams um, and hitting your extra points and field goals, um, and, and could have easily been out of this already. This wouldn't even been the conversation at this point. Um, for Clemson, that is a secondary that I am just disgusted at when I watched them play last week. That was bad. And I understand Clemson's principles, but dude, stop playing man. Like at some point <laughs> you got to realize Sam Hartman is dicing y'all up and you are not doing anything to, to, you know, to calm him down. And your one solution in the second half was to drop into too high coverage. And uh, now they're just running the football. Down. Like you had no answers that that defense looks lost when their cover corners can't just lock down and man. And this week, you know, you're, you're playing Devin Leary. And the only issue is with NC State, they can't take advantage of it. They cannot. I don't trust what they have on the outside whatsoever. I don't even trust Devin Leary to take the to, to be that kind of guy that Sam Hartman was last week and find those holes on a consistent basis. And I don't think their offensive line is good enough to hold up uh, against a front four that might be either, if not the best, one of the best front fours in the country. Um, it's going to get consistent pressure. And then obviously, Scott, you hit it on the head. They're playing at Clemson. It's a different beast when you go down there and have to play in Death Valley. And I think at the end of the day, NC State doesn't have the horses to run with Clemson like Wake Forest did. You know, Wake Forest defensively was horrendous, and they were able to keep coming back offensively. NC, NC State doesn't have that. Maybe two years ago, right? Maybe maybe they were able to run with these kind of guys, you know, a couple of years ago when they had better people on the outside and, you know, better offensive line play with Kwan Wu and company. But I just don't think that NC State can actually take advantage of what Clemson does poorly. And the one thing that NC State has been able to do this so, uh, so far in the season has been run the football, and you're running right into the teeth of what Clemson does well at this point. And, you know, I just don't think that they're going to be able to do that. Also think, to be perfectly honest with you, DJ Uyunglele took a step next week, last week. I think that was great from him. That was probably his best game since last year, Notre Dame. Um, you know, when he, when he came in for a spot start genuinely yeah. or two years ago, excuse me. Uh, I genuinely think that was probably his best performance. You know, he looked comfortable. He was strong. He was, he was giving his athletes a chance to go make plays on the ball. And when he took needed to, he ran, he ran with physicality. And that's the kind of DJ that I thought we would see, you know, last season, but I'm happy to see it now. I don't think it's any coincidence that he sees K Klubinick step on campus and he's like, no, I'm not giving up my job right away. Let me put together a couple of performances to make everybody shut up about Kate. Um, and, and I think that he's, you know, at least for, for a week, he's done that. And I think right now, DJ Uyunglele is hitting a stride. I hope he's, a, he's able to continue to do that because if Clemson's secondary is going to be that horrendous all year, he's going to have to play that well against some of these better offenses to keep them in ball games and, and, and to win some of these bigger games, especially if a national championship is their ultimate goal. I think this week they have enough horses to get by an NC State team that I think has just been teetering on fraud the entire year, um, you know, since game one. So I, I think that, you know, NC State loses. I wouldn't be surprised even if it was a blowout, to be perfectly honest with you. I just am that low on currently what NC State does on both ends of the football, um, especially. And then obviously the fact that they have yet to be tested this year. Obviously, I think this they're walking into, you know, their own demise uh, against a Clemson team who I think 
got exposed in what they were bad at last week and is expect and is looking to improve on that this week against Devin Leary and company. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun game for sure. Uh, probably not like your normal number five versus 10, number 10 hype game, uh, that there should be, uh, but it's going to be a fun one for sure. Um, next game we have is number two, Alabama, 17 and a half point road favorites going into Fayetteville to play the Razorbacks. Uh, we see this as closer to a 15 point game in Alabama's favor. Uh, we are right online with the official total. That is 61. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I don't know how to feel about Arkansas right now, uh, Nick and, um, you know, KJ Jefferson can, can run hot and cold. Uh, Sanders is great. The defense is strong, but Bama is like the, you know, steroid version of Arkansas here. So, um, it's hard to not like the, the tide, uh, coming into Fayetteville here. So how do you see this game playing out? Yeah. I mean, double digit home underdog. Usually I, I, uh, all, all else being equal, you know, that that's a spot I don't hate necessarily our projections to fall in line with, but, um, Alabama, you know, is not all else equal. And, and so, uh, it seems in some ways like the first four weeks of the season, Alabama's kind of been working through preseason mode a bit. Uh, they've dealt with some injuries at wide receiver. They've dealt with some injuries in the secondary. Um, they looked beatable, you know, against Texas. Uh, they played three teams well in our triple digits and in, in our power rankings in the preseason, uh, or excuse me, you know, ULM and Vanderbilt and then Utah States played, played that way. Uh, certainly been disappointing. Um, so it seems like we haven't necessarily seen the best of Alabama yet, yet they still rank number one overall in team performance so far this year, the number one defense in the country. Uh, number three against the pass, number three against the run. And, you know, that that's going to be very, very difficult for Arkansas to deal with. Uh, there's also, you know, the, the early team performance numbers uh, see a, a bit of shakiness in that Arkansas uh, defense, especially against the pass. Arkansas right now is 99th in Defensive team performance against the pass, 66th against a run, and 72nd overall. And when it seems like, you know, Alabama, who has the defending Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, has one of the best, you know, most dynamic running backs in college football, Jameer Gibbs, who hasn't even really, you know, we haven't quite seen everything he can do this year. He's been, uh, I don't know if he's on a pitch count or, or what, or they're just, you know, trying it to, seems to weird. get guys in. Um, but, you know, maybe they're just kind of saving him up a little bit. Like I said, that preseason mindset a, a bit. Uh, and maybe they will unleash him against Arkansas. We'll, we'll see. Um, but if if I'm trying to make a case for Arkansas, um, even though the projections fall in line, you know, I, I think my 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 gut or my hope or whatever it is that that you know, how do I see Arkansas keeping this thing close? Some of it is things that I can't, you know, we can't quantify. We can't put a number to, and that's maybe this home field advantage. You know, Arkansas does get the game uh, in Fayetteville. Uh, they have had, this will be the fourth in five weeks home game, but 
this will be the last home game until November. So you think that perhaps one, you know, that home crowd uh, will show up, try to make, you know, life difficult for Alabama, who usually is not phased by those sort of things. But um, Texas got him. I mean, yeah. they won the game, but you know, Texas had him. They had like 14 penalties in that game or whatever. That's true. That's true. Including a few false starts. So, um, so perhaps, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, um, that will be a little bit of an edge, maybe a little bit something that, that Arkansas can use and, and build upon. Um, we'll see, uh, cause it'll be the last chance, you know, for that fan base to, to have a big game at home for, uh, a month and, you know, this is the the biggest one of the season, uh, certainly. So, uh, I, I think that in some, you know, I'm torn a little bit because I've seen, you know, four years, five years, <laughs> however long we've been doing this, of oh yeah, yeah, we've got this double digit underdog, and and you know we're we're on the side against Alabama, and it seems like more often than not, Alabama just goes out and takes care of business and wins by. You know, three touchdowns, four scores, whatever it is. Alabama, um, the only team that might be fraud watch, uh, you know, <laughs> proof. Uh, proof. Yeah. Right. Never going to be called. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, you're, you're trying to, to think of scenarios. I do think Arkansas, you know, KJ Jefferson has shown some real promise at times. Uh, I think he is a punishing runner. Raheem Sanders is climbing up the list of my favorite running backs. I mean, he's big and powerful, but also, so I mean, you know, has the nickname Rocket for a reason. I mean, he is fast. Um, we've seen some good things from the receiving core. You know, Matt Landers had a, a big game earlier this year. Uh, Trey Knox has looked good at times as a tight end, uh, making that transition. They're a top 20 offensive line in uh, our O-line performance ratings. So, it does seem like Arkansas will be able to test that elite level Alabama defense. Um, and defensively, you know, there have been some, uh, a lot of great plays by guys like Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders in that linebacker core. But the defensive line has not played, you know, super well, pretty mediocre, right in the middle of the pack, 64th and D line performance so far this year. Uh, the secondary is a little bit undermanned and, and has been. Uh, push around at times so this that concerns me unless Arkansas is really able to um, slow down the pace slow down Alabama play keep away a little bit limit their possessions this is one I I fear could get out of hand uh, in the second half but if Al, you know if Arkansas is able to um, slow things down and and you know, stay close until the fourth quarter, things could get interesting because Alabama has has looked beatable this year and is not quite at full strength, not with its full complement uh, in the receiver core, in the secondary. Um, so I guess there's some hope that this could be a close game, but uh, there's a lot of history uh, and a lot of, you know, just seeing Alabama pull away in, in games like this where, you know, they're double-digit, two touchdown, three score favorites for a reason. Uh, I mean, Xavier, any hope for the Razorbacks in this game? Or is this, um, you know, our usual on schedule Alabama stomping here? Well, I mean, remember, Arkansas only lost to them by eight last year. So, I mean, I won't say that it's a complete loss 
at this point. They lost 42 to 34 last year on the road in Tuscaloosa. So I won't say it's a complete loss. Uh, I will the say Bucks I think had Bucks, a huge game that week, right? Was yeah. that a, uh, in Jefferson, I feel like, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correct. So, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that it's not a complete loss. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas even led in this game, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I think Arkansas last week got a, got a case of the yips. I think they had a chance there to go up 21-7, put their foot on the neck of Texas A&M. They fumbled the ball on the one-yard line, and the whole entire game, the entire complexion of that game changes. Uh, I think Arkansas pretty much dominated that game the entire first half and somehow went into the um, went into the halftime, you know, tied or or, or, or down. I can't remember exactly. Uh, so I, I genuinely think that last week Arkansas kind of just, you know, didn't play up to what they what I think they should have. I thought Texas A&M was pretty piss poor last week as, uh, again, and Arkansas kind of just let that go. And obviously, not winning, the, you know, losing the game on a you know on a missed game winner. I think obviously it's going to be bitter taste in their mouth because I think going into this game, if they had won last week in the way I thought they should have, they'd be much more. I think the number would be a, a ton closer, a ton closer. Um, going into this game though, I'm, I'm looking for KJ Jefferson to just look a little bit better. That's that's my biggest question mark with him is is can he make can can he make the proper strides? on third and medium third and long that's going to be able to keep you know arkansas float in this matchup i think against texas a&m he was just he was just really he was really poor kind of went back to what he had been doing the year prior where you know on third and medium and third and long he was kind of just non-existent at that point um at the quarterback position and i i think that he needs to definitely make a step this week against alabama and i think he could uh, I will say this, and I think this is why, you know, I don't know if this is <laughs> – and I don't know if this is going to be the reason as to why Arkansas, just for me at this point, I think is same reason why I don't like, you know, Washington. I don't like Clemson. Their secondary is bad. It's bad. Their secondary is just not great. You know, I think, you know, you know, and it really kind of started after, during the South Carolina win. That second half, Spencer Rattler had probably looked the best he's looked all year against – you know, any kind of real competition against that secondary. Um, and they just could not cover in man. And when you do that, you're not allowed to get any kind of pressure on Bryce Young. And if he's able to sit back there and dice you up, I mean, hey, they, they, you know how that goes, right? I'm a Georgia fan. I you know how that goes, right? Like, it's going to be one of those situations where I feel like Arkansas understands their weakness, but they won't be able to hide their weakness uh, like Clemson was able to do, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to say that, you know, Alabama wins. I also think Alabama probably covers. Um, but I would not be surprised if Arkansas gives them a run for their money. Um, I just think that that secondary at some point is just going to crumble, uh, much like they did in important moments last week against A&M. When Max Johnson needed a first down, he was able to get get him to the playmakers on the outside, and that secondary had no answer. Uh, so I'm going to give. I'm going to say it's going to be Bryce. I think Alabama gets a, a win here, and, and they need to win impressively. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. They, they've been a team that so far isn't on fraud watch per se, but Alabama hasn't been Alabama. I, I, I'll say it outright. Even when they stomped ULM a couple of weeks ago, Bryce Young was okay. You know, he threw two picks in a game against ULM. Like, you're not supposed to do that if you're Alabama. So uh, I, they're not on fraud watch at all, but they've got to win impressively for me to finally, you know, look at this team and go, are you sure this isn't another rebuilding year, Nick Saban? Yeah, this is the team that we thought they were. That That's what right. you're looking for yeah. uh, in this game. Totally understand that as well. Uh, let's go over to number seven, Kentucky, on the road at number 14, Ole Miss. And Xavier, I know this is one that you want to talk about for sure. I'll go ahead and start with you on this one. I know Ole Miss is like the epitome of fraud watch for you. Yeah. What do you think about this SEC matchup? Do you think uh, Kentucky goes away the line here? Ole Miss by six and a half. They are at home. 
The right. total is uh, 54 and a half. We have uh, Ole Miss by about that much. Uh, we're close to the total, not quite in line. We're a little bit under, but uh, how do you see this one playing out? I'm just really like sick and tired of watching Ole Miss win because it's so unimpressive. Like nothing that they've done this year for me goes. They're great. Like I, I'm, I'm. I, they beat Tulsa by eight points last week. They didn't score a single second half touchdown. That's Jackson Dart, thanks you know, a lot, Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Jackson Dart has looked pedestrian at best. Uh, their defense has been carrying them at parts of the season, but I, even then, Zach Evans has been their MVP thus far this season by a large margin. And even last week, he you know he only ran for forty eight yards, and uh, Quinshawn Judkins was able to be you know, be the guy. And Jackson Dart had to put on his running shoes, like I'm watching John Rice Plumley out there. Like this is just a team that I just don't know what I don't think they know who they are um, at this at this moment. To be perfectly honest with you, and I think when they go against Kentucky, Kentucky is going to dice up. That team, I just feel like this is going to be a, a one heck of a game for Kentucky to make a staple and say, and you know, suggest to the rest of the country that they are for real. I think Ole Miss has been, you know, quietly they're in the same kind of position for me that NC State is in. They haven't played anybody, and even though they haven't played anybody, they still have looked impressive. And, and when that's your case, and when your quarterback is arguably your best offensive talent up until this point through the ground, but not through the air, I just feel like you're 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 a walking fraud. Um, and so I feel like this week against Kentucky, we'll find out how good Mississippi really is. Um, and unfortunately for me, if Mississippi wins this game, they're going to have just a absolute cupcake walk into their next actual competition because they don't play another ranked opponent until October 29th. Um, then from there, they play Mississippi or the, then they play A&M, Alabama, Arkansas and Mississippi State. So they might lose all four of those. But before that, they play a pretty soft schedule, um, in, in my opinion. So I'm really hoping Kentucky's able to go into, you know, go in uh, to Ole Miss and handle business like they're supposed to. I think they were doing a little look ahead last week against Northern Illinois and, you know, let that game get a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, but I think, you know, Will Levis, I need you to put a game together, buddy. You used to have yet to put a game together that marks you as, you know, one of those guys that we should be looking out for for the draft. Uh, so if any game, this would be a nice one to do it. Um, even against Florida, you have one good throw and the rest of it was kind of just, eh. So, I'm looking for both of these teams to finally put together a performance that I can talk about. You know, I, I think neither one of these teams have been impressive up until this point, but Kentucky has the better win, in my opinion, going to Florida and beating them. So I'm going to take Kentucky in this matchup. Um, and like I said, Jackson Dart for me, I told you guys when he transferred there to begin with, I didn't like that. I, I wasn't too high on that move anyways. Um, and I think he's proving me right so far. He's just been okay um, in his time there. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to pass it off to Nick. Yeah. I like doing that. That's good. <laughs> Nick, uh, look, I hate both these teams right now. They're both on my <laughs> S list. Um, I had the under in the Kentucky Northern Illinois game last week because Rocky Lombardi was questionable going into this game. And uh, 31 to 23, uh, needless to say that that did hit the over upset by that. I had Ole Miss laying the 16 or 16 and a half, or whatever. Couldn't get it done against Tulsa. So um, I don't know. You know, I think the most, Watching that Kentucky Northern Illinois game last week, I mean, Northern Illinois had five sacks on Kentucky. Like, what is going on with that offensive line? Is Will Levis throwing, holding the ball too long? Like, that's my big concern there. And, you know, what Xavier said about Dart is true. Dart has not come out and looked like one of these Lane Kiffin miracle projects yet. So uh, I think there's questions in both sides of this game. Uh, where Where do you lie with it? Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this game because I do think 
you know, this is one of those where we should learn a little bit. Uh, I, I, I made this comment in our group chat last week during the uh, Minnesota-Michigan State game. That was like, you know, I, I can't tell yet whether Minnesota's good or Michigan State's bad. And this game, you know, I, I don't think either of these teams is bad, Ole Miss or, or Kentucky. But we we don't necessarily know yet if either is really, really good. And, I mean, Kentucky's, what, top 10 in, in the polls, right? Um, they're 22nd. They're 7th in, in the AP poll. They're, they're 22nd in our power rankings. Uh, Ole Miss was in the top 10 in our power rankings last week. And they are just outside now. They are 11th. Um, but it, it's it was really interesting listening to Xavier talk about Ole Miss um, and how he just hasn't been impressed. And they are, uh, so far, I think, a real um, sort of eye test versus analytics type you know, case study. Because I understand where he's coming from, that, that they haven't been, you know, super impressive thus far. Uh, but analytically, I mean, the numbers love Ole Miss. Uh, they are sixth in net points per drive uh, against FBS opponents filtered for garbage time. So they're, they're top 15 in offensive points per drive. They're seventh in defensive points per drive. Um, they are also top 10 defensively in uh, PPA per play, college football data's uh, EPA numbers. Uh, they are top 12 in PPA margin. Uh, they are top 20 nationally in net success rate. Uh, they are top 25 in uh, net yards per pass attempt. They are top 20 in net yards per play, both those against FBS opponents only. So, uh, you know, analytically, numbers-wise, Ole Miss is, is hitting all the you know they're checking all the right boxes um i know sp plus is you know loved Ole miss had them as a top 10 team for a few weeks now um and our numbers really really like them i mean roster strength wise they are top 20 on both sides of the ball they're 12th overall in roster strength they're a solid solid team um and they're playing pretty pretty well i mean sixth overall in team performance 18th on offense number one rushing offense the passing offense has, has struggled a bit. They're 99th, uh, but they haven't needed it. You know, Zach Evans, it sounded like had, uh, I think Lane Kiffin called it a, a medical issue in the second half last week, and that's part of why uh, Quinshawn Judkins got so much uh, action. Um, but they're deep at that position, and, and you know, if Evans can't go, Judkins has, has been uh, quite good. I know they've been without Ulysses Bentley most of the, the year, but um, – They've been able to run the football, and Dart, you know, as Xavier mentioned, has, has been able to chip in as well. Uh, Kentucky has not. Kentucky, you know, we're used to them playing good defense and running the football well. They rank 127th in rushing offense team performance. They are a passing team right now. Uh, Chris Rodriguez isn't back till next week, too, right? Is Chris that- Rodriguez, uh, because this game is October 1st, is scheduled to return. Okay. Okay, yes. I, I, I must mix it up. I thought it was October. So unless there was an update that I missed that for some reason this is going to stretch one more week, um, this yeah, is what great. was announced as his first game eligible to be back. So uh, with Rodriguez, 
maybe they'll be able to you know have a little more success on the ground. They've been a little bit of the opposite of Ole Miss. They have not been deep um, because without Rodriguez, they've missed Jatan uh, McLean the last couple of weeks with injury. Um, but they've had to lean pretty heavily on Will Levis and Tavion Robinson. You know the freshman Dane Key, Barry and Brown both have had uh, some big moments early on. Um, but they've really, really struggled, you know, to run the football. The offensive line does not look like our typical, uh, what we're used to seeing out of the Kentucky offensive line. They're 115th in O-line performance so far this year. Defensively, they're, you know, doing what they do, top 15 nationally. Uh, they've really, really been good against the pass so far this year. So you would expect that Ole Miss is probably, you know, not going to put up big numbers there. Uh, in this game, it's just whether or not they'll be able to run the football. And Kentucky's been, you know, good but not spectacular uh, defending the run. So pretty even matchup. Um, Kentucky is a team that, you know, I mentioned how we don't trust UCLA. It's it's very difficult to, uh, but Kentucky's earned that trust. They've they've pretty consistently played, you know, better than their talent profile would suggest. Um, and, you know, Ole Miss hasn't quite passed the eye test so far. Uh, Kentucky, even though they've struggled at times and, and some of the numbers don't, you know, love them. They've been good, not great. Uh, top five in net yards per pass attempt, top 20 in net success rate, top 25 in PPA margin, um, but just inside the top 40 in net points per drive and, and net yards per play. So uh, offensively has been, you know, a little bit of the struggle, 66 yards per play. 61st points per drive, um, 63rd success rate, 74th and PPA per play. So um, will Rodriguez give them a little bit of boost, give them a little more balance? Um, if so, then I you know, could certainly see Kentucky winning this game. Um, but right now, you know, I, I kind of I kind of get it. Uh, you know, I, I, I see the numbers and I understand that that. You know, games are not played on a spreadsheet, obviously. Sure. Um, I trust, you know, Kentucky to find a way to win football games. But I understand why, you know, there might be some folks out there who think that that Ole Miss has struggled a little bit more than what the underlying numbers suggest. So uh, we're on Ole Miss, not by, you know, much more, but but we have it 7.2 roughly. Um, they're currently favored by six and a half. So you know, expected to win 30 to 22 in our official projection. Um, that I think is a reasonable outcome. Uh, is it the expected outcome? You know, not necessarily. I, I think this probably could be a field goal game. Uh, but I, I do think that it'll be fun to see, you know, if Ole Miss one can, can live up to sort of the, the analytical resume that they're building for this year. Um, or if the eye test, you know, will catch up a little bit, uh, or if they're one of those teams that, you know, has some holes that, that, uh, could be exposed, um, against an opponent like Kentucky. But I agree wholeheartedly with Xavier. If they get through this game, um, Smooth sailing. it's going to be a little while. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a little while probably until they're going to be, uh, uh, you know, challenge they, they might have a chance at, at double digit wins that sort of thing so um this this should be a fun one and, and hopefully we'll learn a little bit about both teams how about from the next one a rematch of one of the best games 
from last season, the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma State ranked number nine on the road, going to Waco and number 16, Baylor. Baylor is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in this game. Uh, we're right in line with that. The official total is 56. We have this one uh, slightly over that total. Um, this is a fun game, Nick. Like I said, one of the best games from last season. Uh, obviously, both teams are a little different this year. How do you see this uh, Big 12 matchup playing out? Yeah, so Baylor's had my attention for a while. Our, our projections have been far lower on Baylor than pollsters, than you know, some other folks out there. Uh, who do great work. And uh, it, so far, Baylor has has proven us wrong, but they haven't really moved up very much in our power rankings. They're still outside the top 25 looking in. Uh, the only issue with that, perhaps, is that Oklahoma State is in a similar boat. Um, they're 32nd in our power rankings. You know, Both of these teams are outside of our top 25, um, but they are both inside of you know the ap polls top 25 and and i get it because they've you know played really pretty well uh baylor had the loss obviously at byu oklahoma state top 10 team in the polls undefeated has had an extra week to prepare which i think is um you know noteworthy uh oklahoma state coming off a you know playing one of the worst FCS teams in Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, at least lowest rated according to our numbers. Um, Arizona State, you know, not necessarily a, a tough matchup. Uh, struggled a little bit early with them and, and pulled away. Central Michigan built up a big lead, let them come back and make things interesting. Uh, so Oklahoma State is is a team that, you know, is different this year than we got used to the last couple of years. They are third right now in offensive pace as far as time between snaps at about 20, uh, 20 seconds and, uh, you know, 20.22. Um, that's a little different. They were sort of leaning on their defense the last couple of years, but Spencer Sanders has looked great so far. Uh, Brennan Presley, you know, looking good. Braden Johnson, Dominic Richardson um, offensively, Oklahoma State's uh, done some good things. Top 10 right now in passing offensive team performance. Um, defensively, they've struggled, uh, especially defending the pass, 121st in defensive team performance against the pass. So uh, not the toughest schedule to date, but a little bit rested, maybe even a little bit healthier. Jaden Bray, who hasn't played uh, yet this year, wide receiver who's you know been expected to, to do some good things, step into kind of a starring role for them. He's been out with a, I believe it's a hand uh, injury for the first three weeks. Sounds like he's back at practice. Not sure whether or not he will play, but um, this this should be should be a fun one, and you know might not be decided by a goal line stand. You know on the very very last play of the game like that. Uh, very, very memorable conference championship game you mentioned. Um, I'm not even a full believer that the you know winner of this game is uh, at the forefront of the Big 12 title hunt just yet. I, I'm still kind of skeptical about both of these teams. Uh, but, you know, at least so far, these teams have been better than our projections. So I'm, I'm curious to see which will continue, you know, to outperform. Um, what might we learn weakness wise for both 
what might we learn strength-wise for you know specifically Oklahoma State because they haven't quite faced the test so far that Baylor has. Um, but I don't have a, a super great read on this. I was a little happy to see that Baylor, you know, we had them covering as a favorite because that obviously has not been you know something we've had the last couple of weeks. We had it. Iowa State is an outright favorite, um, but. This this game, yeah, I don't have a great read for. We're right in line projection wise with the odds makers. 31-28 is our final score uh, prediction. I kind of think I would rather be on Oklahoma State, um, just gut feel, but um, no, you know, heavy lean one way or the other. But uh, should be should be a good one. Yeah, this is going to be a fun game, Xavier. Uh, do you have? a stronger lean one way or the other for Baylor or Oklahoma state. I really don't like, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I get, a, I get a horrible read on either team right now, because I think from Oklahoma state's perspective, they just haven't played anyone. Uh, um, I know people get a lot of slack for not playing anybody at the beginning of the year. I feel like Oklahoma state does this every season. I feel like they play like Mac pack 12, but like bottom half pack 12 every season. Um, uh, But they haven't really like, impressed in those games either you know central michigan they win 58 44 um and daniel richardson for for central michigan puts together almost a you know a four uh 450 uh 450 yard game four touchdowns one uh one int uh in the arizona state matchup once again not impressive emory jones looks comfortable back there to say the least um you know 12 24 223 a touchdown in that game as well and Xavier um validate looked really good in that ball game I just feel like I'm more comfortable with Baylor because they've played some competition, right? Baylor obviously loses to BYU on the road, which is never an easy place to go, right? Nobody ever goes out there and is like, yeah, BYU is just a cakewalk, you know, on the road. Right. Um, and they lost that game in overtime. Then, you know, they, they beat Iowa State on the road this week as well. So I feel a little bit more comfortable with them. Uh, Blake Shapin looked really good this past week, and he looked more comfortable. Um, that is something that is huge for me going into this game is, is which quarterback will look comfortable the longest. Uh, the only thing about Oklahoma State that I will give them, and, and Nick alluded to it already, is that they did have an extra week to prepare. Um, when you give them that extra week to prepare, that is going to be huge, especially when when you really think about it. And, and once again, this is no slout, slight to them, but they probably had really three weeks to prepare because they probably kind of slightly prepared for Arizona State. Um, they probably used some of what they were you know, preparing for in the Arizona State week to get ready for this game against Baylor. Um, so I think ultimately I'm going to lean, man, I, I feel like I should lean to Oklahoma state. <laughs> I, I feel like they are going to be up for this game. There's some comeuppance for last year's uh, big 12 championship game. Uh, they're going to really, really hope that, you know, they don't lose, you know, that Blake Shapin is a little rattled, um, in this ball game in particular. Um, but ultimately I think that when you look at, you know, Spencer Sanders has to put together a game and realistically, Oklahoma State, this is their first big test of the year. They, they've got to make, you know, they've got to prove me right in that in that regard. And I think, aren't they, if I'm mistaken, Scott, they're the last outside of Kansas undefeated team in the Big 12, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, I would so, assume so. So, yeah, can, yeah. Kansas uh, and uh, Baylor. So, there you go. Kansas, Oklahoma State, and TCU are the only undefeated teams in their own right now. Uh, so Oklahoma State to stay atop a the Big 12 next to Kansas, I can't believe I'm saying that, um, has to win this week. And I think to probably – I'm not going to say that losing this week for Baylor would knock them out, but it definitely would put a you know a real damper on their season um, if they were to lose back-to-back, -back, you know, or if they were to lose this game and have two losses in the loss column, um, especially now having one conference loss as well. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State here. 
I think that they get a little bit of comeuppance in this ballgame on the road uh, in Waco and, and get a much-needed win for a team that right now has not shown really anything at this point. All right, let's go back to the ACC for another ranked-on-ranked matchup. We're getting a bunch of these this week, which is just outstanding. Much more fun week than last week. Last week was stupid. So Wake Forest, number 22, going to Tallahassee. Uh, number 23, Florida State. This is going to be a good game. I have a hard time buying into Florida State, Nick. And, um, you know, they are favored by seven in this game. Uh, we have them, you know, right in line there. Uh, 66 is the total. We have it just a little bit under that. Uh, how do you see this Wake Forest and Florida State game playing uh, playing out? Wake Forest, obviously, just coming off that loss against Clemson in overtime. That was a home game, though. Tough to travel to Florida State. Um, I just don't know. Like Florida State's been so bad for so long, I have a hard time buying. But they look good. You know, Obviously, yeah. the LSU game was their tough one. Uh, they won that one. But uh, how do you see this game playing out? Well, so I'm, I'm – I was excited to see that we had Florida State favored by right around a touchdown. You know, I, I mentioned last week and probably before that I don't look at uh, what the odds makers have until I've tallied all of our projections and our different models and all that. And, and I, I thought like, hey, OK, you know, we're giving Florida State some respect here and they have been a fast riser. They're in our top 20 in our power ratings, which you know, basically they, they cut their preseason ranking in half uh, already, which is pretty impressive. And, and you know, not a whole lot of teams have done that. Wake Forest is one of those teams kind of like Baylor, kind of like uh, Oklahoma State, who we've been lower on than most. Part of it is, you know, not the, the most impressive roster strength numbers. I mean, Sam Hartman is obviously one of the best quarterbacks in college football, uh, 100 rated player, max rated uh, in our, our individual player ratings. Um, great wide receiver core to work with. How about Jamal Banks being uh, a breakout performer last week? Huge, huge game against Clemson. Um, put he and A.T. Perry and Donovan Green out in the same receiver core and and – I mean, that's that's really, really difficult to defend. Uh, but Florida State, you know, has some dudes, too. And, and you know, we saw Johnny Wilson have a, uh, his own breakout party uh, a couple of weeks ago against Louisville. Um, the Florida State rushing attack looks a lot more uh, like what we're used to seeing a Mike Norvell uh, rushing attack look like Treshawn Ward has been excellent as sort of the the you know number one running back, but Trey Benson, Lawrence Tofoley, uh, both of those guys have mixed in quite well. And then Jordan Travis has been, you know, he, he's definitely shortlist I would say as far as MVP uh, type performances of this young college football season. You know, not necessarily. I mean, maybe he should be in the Heisman mix. I don't know, but um, if there actually were an MVP. Uh, Travis has, has been that kind of guy. I mean, he's played incredibly well the first couple of weeks, um, went out with injury and was able to make it back quicker than anybody expected. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to play this time last week. I don't think I even had him listed as a starter in our team profiles. I, I expected Tate Rodemaker to, to, you know, have to make that start and Travis being on crutches in the second half, 
uh, on the sideline in the previous game, thought for sure, you know, he was going to miss at least one week, came back, played really well last, last week. So, um, Florida state does have some injury issues, um, defensively. There are certainly some areas of concern, the defensive line, some areas of concern, Fabian Lovett's been out, uh, Jared verse is, is, uh, you know, went out in that Louisville game, didn't play last week against Boston college, the offensive line, you know, Robert Scott has been out. They have multiple preseason, uh, projected starters on the offensive line are now out for the year. Um, so maybe, you know, some depth issues, some health issues, catch up with Florida state a little bit, but right now they look legit. They look like they are finally back. Um, you know, not national title contender, but consistent top 25 and ACC, you know, team you have to worry about. And Wake Forest has been that sort of team for a while. I don't think that that is over and done with by any stretch. Um, I think that the passing attack, which is third in offensive team performance right now, um, is going to give Wake Forest the ability to be in any game. But right now they don't run the football very well, 122nd in rushing team performance. And defensively, you know, they just haven't played that well. They've had their own injury concerns, especially in the secondary. Um, but they are 76th in defensive team performance overall, 91st against the pass, and 69th against the run. So Florida State probably, you know, is going to have an opportunity to um, do what it wants offensively. And so is Wake Forest going to be able to keep up? Uh, I, I think that is that is the big question, and with this game being in Tallahassee, as you mentioned, um, that fan base is you know as fired up as they've been in several years. Uh, this should be a good environment and a tough place to play for Wake Forest, and maybe there's a you know little bit of a hangover effect. Uh, last week, you can't you can't let Clemson beat you twice, um, yeah, and having to go on the road against a you know, hot team like Florida State, um, not necessarily the the best draw uh, for that as a potential concern. So uh, I, I I like that we've got Florida State favored by about a touchdown, um, even though technically because, you know, less than a quarter of a point, we're technically on Wake Forest to cover. Uh, but this, to me, feels like a Florida State, you know, 10 to 14 point win. Uh, Xavier, yeah, it's hard to... This is a game that Florida State has typically lost in recent years. You know, a close game against a tough opponent at home uh, that, you know, they play hard and then they drop this one. So is it going to be any different this year? How do you see this uh, ACC matchup between uh, the Knowles and the Deacons playing out here? I Man, listen, I, I love what Florida State has done. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to go ahead and say that first off the bat. I think Florida State has surprised some folks, definitely surprised me. And, and I, I definitely feel like college football has been put on notice that, you know, Mike Norvell has this team going in the right direction. They're ranked for the first time, I think, four years, if I want to say, or three years. Um, so th this is obviously a team that I think is moving in the right direction. And Mike Norvell definitely has his quarterback with Jordan Travis. Um, he's been a gamer. Uh, and, and, you know, quick kudos, tip of the cap to Tate Rotomaker for helping them win the game against Louisville. You know, he came into in a spot, you know, performance and did an amazing job um, in, in helping them win that game. But they're running into a buzzsaw. I'm going to be honest. They are running into a buzzsaw. And, and Wake Forest, 
what I would I think would be most concerning for me if I was a Florida State fan was just looking at how confident Sam Hartman is in his passing game um, and how much that offense clicked against Clemson, against a front four that all could be first-round draft picks. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that. Um, you know, against a team that I know had had a lot of trouble in the secondary and, and didn't, you know, wasn't featuring its best guys, but once again, still took a whole advantage of them, right? Um, you know, and, you know, he had Sam Hartman just once again showed as to why he's a guy who I think coming to, you know, coming into this year was a guy who I thought was a Heisman dark horse, could be a first round draft pick given, you know, future performances from him. And I think that going into this game against Florida State, he understands that their season's on the line, you know, and this is where if it was a guy, if it was Sam Hartman maybe last year, I'm, I'm more leaning on maybe, you know, Wake Forest loses this ball game, allows a loss to Clemson where they were that close to winning the game to possibly, you know, turning into two losses like Nick alluded to. I think Wake Forest has a little bit of better head on their shoulders, especially offensively. They're a little bit more veteran-led with him, A.T. Perry, uh, Donovan Green. All these guys have been in battles, been in wars, and I think that they're not going to allow themselves offensively to, to you know, um, to not show up next week. I think from the Florida State perspective, the one thing I will say, Wake Forest's defense can be had, and I'm really, really looking at whether or not, you know, Jordan Travis can take advantage of that. The one thing I haven't necessarily seen him do against the secondary, and once again, he didn't play the entire Louisville game, so I won't give, I won't take away from him there. He was starting to do it, is completely take advantage of a bad secondary. Um, and, and I want to see if he can do that against Wake Forest this week, if the, if the guys on the outside can win for a full 60 minutes. Um, they did so against a bad defense in Louisville, but once again, Louisville was still in that ball game late in that, late, late in that game. Um, same thing goes for LSU, a defense who I felt like was, you know, fixed, figuring itself out, was able to hang around. And in the second half, you know, obviously, you know, LSU loses the game on a missed extra point. So I, or two book conversion. So I really think that my biggest thing with Florida State is can you take advantage of Wake Forest's, you know, negatives? If they can, they'll win this ballgame. Dope is going to be ridiculous. You know, I understand that there's a hurricane. I hope everybody stays safe. Yes. But to ask those those fans to not come to that game is going to be almost impossible. It it was sold out last weekend, let alone this week. Um, So that's going to be a raucous, you know, environment. Dope being sold out is one of the best atmospheres in college football, bar none. Um, And so that should definitely be a plus for them. Um, Heck, we saw it a couple of years ago when, you know, first game of the year, they almost beat Notre Dame in a a raucous dope environment. I don't even think that game was 100% sold out. So I I think that that's going to definitely help them and could lead to Sam Hartman being shook up a little bit. I just don't see that happening. This is a guy who's played in a ton of environments in his career and should be able to perform at a high level, even on the road. I think this game is going to be a shootout. I think that Wake Forest wins this ball game 42-35. Like, I don't think that there's going to be a wicked defense played in this ball game whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you know, I just don't. You know, at the end of the day, Florida yeah. State, if Florida State had played defense last week against probably the worst P5 team in college football in Boston College or one of, um, and I think genuinely when you look at coming into this week, Wake Forest is going to be clicking on all cylinders. They're going to spread you out. They're going to run that that long, slow mesh, um, which I don't even understand how that works. To be perfectly honest with you, I want to sit down with a Wake Forest offensive coordinator and have him explain it to me because it shouldn't, but it does. Um, and, you know, Sam Hartman, when he wants to, is going to pick apart your secondary when you give an opportunity to. Um, on the flip side of that, Jordan Travis, this is your game, buddy. Like, this is the game to put this is it. 
you know, to supplant you and submitting you as the quarterback at Florida State for at least another season this year and probably next year. Um, and to be a ranked team in Wake Forest, be undefeated going into NC State on the road, probably a top 15 team if they beat Wake Forest this week and have a real chance for Florida State fans to get up. And right now, Florida State fans, if you guys have been on Twitter, they consider them to themselves the best team in the state. So you got an opportunity right here to, to, to prove that. Um, and, and so we'll see. I got Wake Forest, you know, pulling it out by the skin of their teeth, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State wins this game either. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one and a high scoring, I think, like you said, Xavier, it's a very good point. Uh, let's go to the Big Ten, where number 21 Minnesota is hosting Purdue. This is going to be uh, a good one, I think. Minnesota is a 12 and a half point favorite. Uh, we have them right in line. 53 and a half is the total. We're just slightly under that one, Nick. But look, Purdue is two and two, but they're one of the better two and two teams. I feel like in the country, you know, they barely lost to to Penn State. Uh, they barely lost to Syracuse. So they have two. Their two losses are by uh, a combined uh, seven points here. So um, one touchdown in their two losses. Uh, Minnesota, obviously, doing it on the ground. I believe Mo Ibrahim leads the country in rushing touchdowns right now with eight. Um, this this should be a fun game. Minnesota double digit favorite at home. Um, Obviously, last week, taking down Michigan State, not really challenged that much. You know, New Mexico State, Western Illinois, Colorado, and then Michigan State seems like a good game. But Michigan State has not been the same this year as they were last year. So I don't know if we chalk that up to a impressive win, beating them by 27 points. Or is that like, yeah, you should have because Michigan State is not very good this year. Um, how do you see this game between Minnesota and Purdue playing out? Yeah, part of it is, like I mentioned, you know, watching that game last week, it it was not clear to me, is Minnesota really good or is Michigan State just not good? Right. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> right now, I mean, running the numbers, they love Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is favored in all but one regular season game that's at Penn State where they're right now a two-point underdog according to our game projections the stats only model which I mentioned you know is becoming my favorite actually has Minnesota favored in that game has Minnesota favored in every remaining uh, regular season game add up all the projected uh, you know win uh, totals right now it, it looks like Minnesota is on pace to go 10 and two and man, you know, that they, they right now are the team to beat in the Big Ten West should be a really, really tough test. Defensively, they've been one of the best defenses in the country. They're ranked fourth in defensive team performance overall, number two against the pass, number two against the run. They've just they they've been an excellent, excellent team. Uh, but the the quality of competition, not particularly high. And so there is the chance that, you know, maybe Purdue shows up and, and uh, gives them their first real test. The main concern with that is Purdue is not at full strength. Uh, Aiden O'Connell missed last week. Uh, right now we have him kind of, you know, slashed with Austin Burton as, as the projected starting quarterback. Uh, they've been without King DeRoe for a while at running back. Brock Thompson is going to be out. Uh, a lot of people expected him to be, you know, 
wide receiver one or, or one a in this offense uh fortunately charlie jones has just been uh maybe the best receiver in college football so far this year outstanding uh but you know they're banged up at receiver on the offensive line right tackle cam craig is questionable um they've got multiple you know starters impact players on defense especially in the back seven who may or may not be able to play so all that being said uh and this game is in minneapolis we still have purdue keeping it within the two touchdowns or, or you know within the 12 and a half um our projection is right there 12 point you know, 12.3, basically. If Aiden McConnell is able to play uh, in this game, that's going to be a lot close. You know, it might be single digits. Um, so I do kind of like being on Purdue. Minnesota, I think, is legit. I think is the, you know, best team in the Big Ten West. Um, I thought it was Wisconsin. I, I think, you know, it's pretty clear after last week um, that Minnesota is probably the team to beat that game at the end of the year is in Madison. So, you know, still, still a, a losable game. Uh, but if it were played today, you know, we'd have Wisconsin uh, as an underdog at home to Minnesota. So um, all that being said in the past, Minnesota has been a team, you know, at least the last year or two year plus that plays pretty slow on offense, plays good defense um, and kind of suffocates, their opponents and, and tries to, you know, win a close game in the fourth quarter. It just so worked out that with Michigan state, um, you know, what, what is it that the solid verbal says like a slow cooker or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's what it was. Right. I mean, you just, it, it you just look up and it's like, Oh, they're winning by, you know, uh, what it was 34 to seven, or, or yeah. I think it was 28, nothing or something, whatever it was at one point. Um, and this Minnesota team seems a little more capable of doing that on a consistent basis, maybe, uh, than they have the last couple of years. So this could be one of those games, but I'm also not completely bought in that they're going to be able to do that week in and week out. And Purdue has a way of keeping games close and, and you know, being creative, finding ways, even, you know, undermanned, banged up. Um, in my, you know, and I don't, I don't have the last four years results right in front of my face, but in, in my memory bank, Purdue doesn't get blown out very often. And so I, I feel like I will happily, you know, our projection being on, uh, them to cover double digits. Yeah. Okay. Minnesota probably should win this game. Um, they're rightly favored. They're rightly favored by, you know, double digits. But uh, Purdue, especially if we get Aiden O'Connell back, and, and that is questionable right now, you know, might be maybe even lean doubtful. Um, but I, I still kind of trust Jeff Brom to find a way to keep his team close. And so I think this is more of a, you know, touchdown 10-point victory for Minnesota. Xavier, do you have a good lean in this Purdue-Minnesota game? Uh, you know, uh, Minnesota's favored by a bunch here uh, in their ground team. I don't know. Do you have a good lean? Like like Nick said, I don't remember Purdue getting stomped in this game recently. What do you think? I think this is Minnesota's year. I, I said this last episode. I think that last year 
They unfortunately lost, you know, Ibrahim early. I feel like that put a wrench in their entire season. Um, I think they have a year under their belt without him, and it, and it shows that offense looks amazing. And the defense was no slouch either, right? I, I think when you look at what last week told me was more so, yes, Michigan State peaked too early. They, they peaked way too early. Last year was a misnomer. That, that, that's obvious. But what also what, what, what it showed me last week was just the amount of weapons that Minnesota has. You know, Tanner Morgan, 23 or 26, 268, three tubs. Mohamed Ibrahim, you know, 103 yards on the ground. Trayson Potts, 72 yards on the ground with his own right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Tanner Morgan completed the ball to seven different receivers, uh, eight different receivers, excuse me. And, and that defense just looked good. Like, kept, you know, Michigan State offense, too. That was pretty much the first game that Peyton Thorne had looked terrible, right? Even in the Washington game, they looked bad in for a half, but they had a pretty good second half, and they were able to make that game closer. Um, so I, I think when you look at Minnesota, this is my favorite to win the Big Ten West at this point. Um, I think that this is a team that, you know, like I said last week, if they if they beat the doors off of Michigan State, they were going to be the team that was on a rival with the rest of the year. And This is a game that if Minnesota is for real, they win this game and they win it handedly. I'm um, gonna get to you know a scrappy Purdue bunch who's not just gonna go quietly. You know that their one loss this year going, you know their two losses this year have been both close. They lost to Penn State by you know four, and they lose to Syracuse on the road by three. And we see how good Syracuse is this year, so that's not a terrible loss at this point either. Um, you know, I just feel like ultimately for you know Purdue to win this game, they're gonna have to be more balanced than they, what they've been all year. And I don't know if they have that in them, right? Uh, Aiden O'Connell has been having to throw the ball 45 plus times a game just to keep them in it. And I'm not sure if they can even, you know, lean on a run game to help them out in, in this game. On the flip side, I just think Minnesota just has too much in the tank. You know, I think Tanner Morgan and, and Ibrahim have it, what they need on the offensive side. And I think the defense understands what, you know, is a very bend don't break. And I, I think they, they'll do that all game. Um, just keeping Purdue in front of them and, and handling their business. I think Minnesota wins this game going away. Um, and I'm super excited for their matchup October 22nd, where they have to go to Penn State, which will probably be Penn State's annual whiteout. So that'll be an, a, you know, a, a ridiculous atmosphere for Tanner Morgan and those guys to go into uh, to stake their claim as one, you know, as Big Ten West favorites, in my opinion. They just, it, to me, out of all the teams in the Big Ten West right now, they just look like the most impressive. Um, you know, um, and yes, unfortunately for Wisconsin, they played Ohio State last week. So I'm, you know, I'm, there's a little bit of bias there, but I, I think that Minnesota right now for my, for my money runs away with the big 10 West. They just look so good against Michigan state last week. And I picked them winning this week too. All right, let's go to, uh, back to the big 12 here. We have got, uh, Oklahoma who dropped down to, I believe number 18 on the road. Yeah. 18 on the road against TCU. Oklahoma is six and a half point road favorites in this game. Uh, the over is 68. We are, we see it as not as, uh, Oklahoma is still favored, but not, not by as many points. Uh, we're playing to the under because 68 points is a lot of points. Um, Nick, Oklahoma coming off the big upset loss going on the road. Uh, TCU did win their game against SMU, which was a little bit, of a question here. Um, how do you see this game playing out? TCU, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win this game, but I, I have a hard time believing that Oklahoma is going to get got two weeks in a row. So uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about this game. 
Yeah, I don't I don't have a great read on either team, quite honestly. Uh, you know, we we always are high on Oklahoma. They're still our highest rated Big 12 team. We still would have them as a double digit favorite over Kansas State at home. So uh, if that game were played again this week, we'd have Oklahoma favored by 11. So either our numbers, Oklahoma's just kind of whatever proof <laughs> where, where they're just not really going to drop even the defensive uh, issues that showed up last week. Uh, but on the other hand, TCU is is uh, an undefeated team. You know, won a game that we had SMU as a slight favorite last week playing without their week one starting quarterback in Chandler Morris. He may or may not be back um, for this game. He, he warmed up in full uh, uniform, you know, prior to, to last week's contest, but uh, had already been ruled out earlier in the week. Max Duggins played decently well so far. Kendry Miller had a, a huge game. Uh, we haven't seen the, the potential first round performance that, I think a lot of people expected from Quentin Johnson uh, so far this year, but TCU has been a solid team and, and they're, they're in our top 25 of our power rankings. They played like a top 15 team, um, top three offense, including top three rushing attack, which I think, you know, is surprising to some folks after losing Zach Evans uh, to the transfer portal. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I am not, quite sure i feel like we're slightly too high maybe on both teams um i like what i've seen from the oklahoma offense i think dylan gabriel's running it quite well i think eric gray's having a nice bounce back season as is marvin mims um but you know they're susceptible on defense the defensive line's 88th in in d-line uh team performance uh they rank 60th in in uh, rushing defensive team performance, 44th overall. So TCU is probably going to be able to move the football. Uh, it's just which defense is, is going to step up and, and make stops. And, you know, I don't have a great read one way or the other. So uh, seems like a, you know, a, a close matchup. Uh, being in Fort Worth, I think, gives TCU uh, some reason to expect that they'll be competitive and, and the week before, you know, the Texas game uh, might have an opportunity to, to catch Oklahoma looking ahead, except they were beaten last week. So uh, you have to expect that, that they will be uh, fully fired up and, and ready to bounce back. Will a new coaching staff first year head coach be able to uh, kind of seize that moment? You know, we'll see. I, I, I don't necessarily have a great read. Uh, but our projection, 33-29, I feel like, you know, probably could be a little bit higher scoring than that, but should be a, a pretty close uh, pretty close contest. Xavier, what do you think here? Uh, this looks like um, an interesting game. I Like I said, though, I don't see Oklahoma getting got twice. I don't either. I think you're going to get a pissed off bunch who is going to take out all of their frustrations on you. Um, you know, Oklahoma gets its annual loss to um, the Kansas State. And if I'm not mistaken, and I can check really quickly, I think that the following game every year that they've lost to Kansas State, they've gone off and just, you know, bludgeoned the next person. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah, they put up a 55 spot on y'all last year after losing to Kansas State the week prior. 
So just uh, just an idea. Um, they yeah, they remember wore, they came all the way back. In that case. Right, uh, right. Caleb, so, that was the tale to have Spencer Rattler exactly. losing his job and his uh, Caleb Williams coming in. So, mm-hmm. on fire. so yeah, you know, and in, in the year before that, uh, they lose to Kansas State, forty-eight, forty-one. Then they go put a forty spot on Iowa State in the following week. So. Or, you know, excuse me, they put a 52-point victory on West Virginia. So this is not a team that typically loses to Kansas State and allows it to compound. What I will say is Nick has got to stop bigging up Oklahoma's defense. This is like the second or third time he's done this where he's talked about how impressive they are, and now it was because of Brent Venables, and they were a top-10 defense statistically coming into the week, and Kansas State ran all over them. And I think Deuce Vaughn might have turned himself into a – uh, you know, a first or second day guy after that ball game. And, you know, I, I just think that Oklahoma's defense is going to be Oklahoma's defense. As long as you are OU on your helmet, defense is not your MO. Mm. You are an offensive first ball club. Uh, I want that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, it's one of those situations where last week their defense just looked out of it. Like, I don't know how even to, to describe what I watched last week from them defensively. It just didn't look like they were there. It looked like, you know, they were playing – it was practice and they were just fitting up instead of just, you know, they, they realized they were playing an actual opponent. Um, Dylan Gabriel looked good in the second half. I feel like he started off a little a little lackadaisical, but once again, you shouldn't have to put up 40 points every week for your defense or for your team to win. Um, and if that's Oklahoma's recipe, it'll be same old Oklahoma. They'll win a bunch of games, but they won't, they won't win the ones that matter, and they'll have a loss in there that doesn't make any sense, i.e. Kansas State. So I'm going to go ahead and pick – uh, Oklahoma to win this ball game. I know it's on the road at TCU, and there would be nothing that would make TCU fans happier than to essentially end Oklahoma season, uh, you know, what, five weeks in? Eight. So um, I think Oklahoma beats t- TCU, and then they get into a nail-biter against Texas. That's my that's that's how I feel. That's what I think is going to end up happening because um, if I'm wrong, correct me, Scott, but I think Quinn Ewer's first matchup back might be against Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it could be this week. He traveled. Okay. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, probably looking at next week. So, so yeah, I'm, so yeah, back. Yeah, I absolutely. Now I'm going to stamp that. I think they beat the doors off of TCU and then they're in an absolute dog fight against Texas in the week after get smashed by Texas. You said that wrong, but, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, let's go to fraud watch Xavier. I know you got a, a big one and it's one that we traditionally like for fraud watch little surprise to see them, uh, on fraud watch at this point. Cause they've looked good, but. You're putting Michigan, number four Michigan, yeah, on fraud watch yeah. uh, at home. Excuse yep. me, on the road. In the road, nope. Against yeah, Iowa, uh, Michigan mm-hmm. still a ten and a half point favorite. We're, you know, we got we're on the Michigan side. Uh, the total is forty two and a half. We're a little bit over that. Um, is this uh, is this Iowa's defense being strong? Is this Michigan not showing you what you want? What do you think here, Zabi? A little bit of both. A little, little bit of okay. both. Okay, call think- a, a little call B. Sure. Yeah, you know, Michigan hasn't beat Iowa in Iowa in four tries. So the last time that they beat Iowa in Iowa City, 2005. So that, that, that they, that's part of the reason as to why this is a bogey city for them. Uh, they just don't like being there. Um, the last time that they had beat Iowa, they beat them in the, in the Big Ten Championship game last year and then and obviously in Ann Arbor in 2019. So I, I just think that this has been a bogey city for them. And, and I, I, there's something to that. I said this last year when it came to Alabama traveling to Auburn when Auburn's a massive underdog. And, you know, I, I think there's just some juju sometimes. Sometimes you can't really explain why teams underperform in some areas. But when Michigan has to go to Kinnick, they just 
don't play well because none of these wins are like overly impressive from Iowa. You've got a 14 13 win here, you got a 24 21 game in here as well. So, you know, not impressive victories at all from Iowa, but Michigan just offensively cannot put it together when they go on the road uh, against Iowa, no matter what, you know decade it's been um over the last couple of, you know the last couple of trips to Kinnick on the flips on on that as well Michigan's offense especially passing wise just hasn't impressed me at all I I just don't know why you know going into the year I think me both me and Nick talked about the kind of the talent that they have on the outside being a plus for them and up until this point especially this last week against Maryland just really concerned me how erratic JJ McCarthy looked like at times you know, uh, his number one target was uh, Luke, uh, Luke Schoonmaker. You know, I'm not, you know, not a huge fan uh, of, you know, your tight end being your, your your number one target unless he's Brock Bowers. So don't come at me for that one. Uh, but, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, J.J. McCarthy last week when he needed to make certain throws, just wasn't able to do it, got bailed out with a pick that was just out of bounds late in that ball game uh, that I think Maryland was starting to turn a corner. Uh, and I think the, and the, what concerned me a lot about that game is just the fact that Maryland was able to just hang around. And Talia wasn't great, right? Talia throws two picks, one touchdown. Uh, their backup, Billy Edwards, comes in and even throws a touchdown. They couldn't really run the football at all, Maryland, that is. And they still were able to just kind of hang around. And Michigan couldn't give them the knockout blow until late in that game and on the shoulders of Blake Corum. Um, I think Iowa's rush defense is going to be light years better than what I saw from Maryland this past week. Um, but, you know, and I think Iowa's one of those teams that, Everybody just kind of is asleep on, rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. Their, their offense has been rather, you know, poor. They won their first two games or they won, you know, their first game against South Dakota State 7-3. But ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if we're third quarter, it's 14-14. And Michigan hasn't been able to put anything together. And Iowa somehow is just putting enough together, you know, where it was duct tape and spit to get through this game. So I would not be surprised in the slightest. And like I said, sometimes... Schools just have bogey cities. And for Michigan, it's been Kinnick and it's been Iowa City up until this point. What do you think? Uh, what, what do you think, Nick? Do you think that uh, Michigan should be on fraud watch or is this a Michigan stomping here? I'm not sure. Our, our projections have finally caught up to Michigan a little bit. Um, they are number four in our power rankings, which, you know, I don't think they got there until the very end of last season. Um, I am not a big believer in Iowa. Obviously the offense is a major concern. Uh, Iowa does, you know, have a tendency to be competitive in games when maybe they're not supposed to, uh, last year's big 10 title game, obviously an exception against Michigan. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Michigan, probably should win and cover uh but some funny things happen in iowa city it's a tough place to play uh, iowa's defense is lights out as usual number two in defensive team performance overall top six on both sides uh you know against the run against the pass but literally the worst offense in college football uh according to our team performance numbers 131 uh, passing 127, rushing 114. Uh, will they be able to score? And unless the defense scores, it, it's hard to you know really envision uh, them being able to to hang in here. So I think this is a game that Michigan should win relatively easily, uh, unless we see 
Iowa take a big step forward offensively, and, and really there's no evidence to suggest that they will. Uh, anybody else on Fraud Watch here, Xavier? Yeah, I got a couple fun ones for, for the people at home. Um, I have Florida State on my Fraud Watch list, uh, them being seven-point favorites against Wake Forest at home. I just think that Wake Forest offensively is extremely explosive. Um, Kansas State. Eight-point favorites against Texas Tech at home. I have them on fraud watch. I think that you're going to get a letdown game after they beat Oklahoma. I think Kansas State returns back to, you know, earth after going into Norman and winning that ball game. Um, I had Ole Miss on fraud watch for obvious reasons. I kind of, you know, eloquated that earlier, they're being six-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, a favorite one for me, and this is, a, and once again, this is another one of those situations where a team is favored against a bogey team. Oregon, 16-and-a-half-point favorites versus Stanford. Oregon and Stanford, that is a game that always seemingly is close. Yeah, last the, year they got yeah. them. Yeah. And seemingly has some of the weirdest finishes in college football. 16.5-point favorites versus a team that just put up, that just allowed Washington State to put 41 points on them, not buying that one. Uh, speaking of Washington State, four-point favorites versus Cal. I, th- I'm, I think Washington State comes a little back down to earth a little bit. Cam Ward hasn't been as impressive as people want to tell you. Can't let Oregon beat you twice. That's yeah. A, that's yeah. one of those. Yeah. And I think that one of those situations where I think Cam Ward and I think that Cal defense is better than what, you know, uh, it is obviously always good. But I think Cal, mm, that game might be closer. Washington State might have to win that one a game-winning field goal. And last but not least, and this is just a fun one for me, Wisconsin, seven-point favor over Illinois. I think Ohio State beats them twice. I think oh, I think Ohio State uh, – excuse me, Wisconsin last week got exposed – for the offensive, I can't call them frauds because offensively they're just not good. They just haven't been good. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so calling them frauds offensively would just be uh, beating a dead horse. This is not a team that I would be surprised about at all if Illinois beats them at all. I think that they, you know they, they've already had what you would consider the head scratching loss, losing to Washington State, where Washington State was offensively bad. Cam Ward one touchdown, two interceptions in that ball game in particular, and they were at home. Illinois comes in, you know, a team that up until this point has been good, three and one. You know, I think, you know, they lost to Indiana September 2nd. Uh, but since then, they beat Virginia. Then they beat Chattanooga. Got a little confidence back in, them, in, in, in you know, in their in their sales. And can really put the finishing blow on Wisconsin this week and really just end whatever hope that they had at making any kind of, you know, you know, uh, walk to the Big Ten championship game or a Big Ten, you know, um, you know, birth at all. If they were to give them another, you know, conference loss and then being 0-2 in the conference as a whole, them being six, seven-point favorites, if they're going to win, they're going to win this game 17-14. If they're going to lose, they're going to lose this game 17-14. So give me give me Illinois in, in an upset win over Wisconsin, and maybe we finally see Graham Mertz benched. Uh, you know, uh, he's done. He, he's got that day. That leash has got to be almost completely up. Like, yeah. got to. Do they have anything better? They got to. They, 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 they got to at least try somebody. <laughs> You know. Listen, Braylon Allen threw a pla- threw a pass last week, so hey, <laughs> you know, hey, just just line up in the single wing, Braylon Allen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so we're we're in an interesting point in the season. I was noticing this today, going through and updating the the win total projections. Uh, Illinois, by the way, is thirty sixth in our power rankings right oh, now. Come on. <laughs> they, uh, they I so the the you know this season this this part of the season is where uh there there's a lot of opportunity to either take a big step forward or everything can kind of come crashing down and, and there are two big ten teams that I think are are 
headed in opposite directions. Uh, Illinois is one of them. We have Illinois is, is less than a three and a half point underdog against Wisconsin. We have them as a four point underdog against Minnesota. We have them as a 13 point underdog against Minnesota, or excuse me, Michigan. And we have them favored by at least a field goal against Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, and Northwestern. <laughs> uh, on the other side of things, which, by the way, if they if they win this game, then they'll be on track for that, maybe even better. Yeah. Um, if they lose this game, eh, maybe some of those you know come down. Right. There are a lot more toss ups in there. Uh, Michigan State, eight and a half point underdog according to our projections, which is uh, worse than the odds makers against Maryland. Uh, the Tungavailoa injury, something to watch there. Sure. We, we have him expected to play. If he's not expected to play, that number will come down probably like six, maybe even less. Uh, we have them as a 17.5 point underdog against Ohio State. That's probably, you know, probably giving Michigan State maybe a little too much credit. Uh, we have them as an underdog against Wisconsin, two touchdowns against Michigan. I already mentioned against Illinois double digits against Penn State in the season finale. We only have Michigan State favored to beat Rutgers and Indiana Ooh. at this point, which if you're counting, that's four wins. They would need to take care of business in, in those two games and then pick up two upsets, according to our projections, to make it to bowl eligibility. Yikes. And that team was ranked 11th in the AP poll two weeks ago so you know i've been i'm high on mel tucker have been yeah uh, i like michigan state i think he can win there consistently last year they you know they they arrived too soon and and you know our projections they were in the 40s and 30s most of the season came in in the 40s in our preseason numbers uh they have not actually free fallen because we didn't have them super high they're 54th uh but Things, things could get bad there. Um, they could be looking at four or five wins, and, and coming off of last season, uh, that's that just looks bad, right? So um, Michigan State needs to get on track, and and you know, getting an upset win over Maryland, they might need that game. They might need that win to get to a bowl. So pretty pretty tough uh, slate from here on out, but. Uh, those two teams kind of jumped out to me a little bit, and and it'll be fun to see how things play out this weekend for for the two of them. It'll be another crazy one, as and it always is. Make, then I think would make Brett Bielema happier than to be his old his old employer. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, absolutely. I mean, everybody can say that, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's like Xavier said at the very beginning of the show, like. You think college football can't possibly one up itself from week to week, and it always does every single week. So we expect more craziness this week, of course. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, C R I C H E for Xavier. And good luck, and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.